Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wealth Conversation podcast with me, Tsitsi Mutiti. I guide high-achieving women on their journey to build lasting wealth so they can prepare for an abundant future in every area of their life. I hope that today's episode will help you to transform your relationship with money so you can make the choices that will enable you to create the opportunities and lasting wealth that you desire. Let's get straight into this week's episode. Hey there, it's good to have you back with us. So I know you've been listening to this podcast every single week and that you've been taking in the wealth of knowledge from all the guests that have been on the podcast so far. But a lot of you have told me that you haven't taken any action, mainly because you're not sure where to start. And I get it because I've been there before. The good news is that I can definitely help you get clear on the three steps that you can take straight away to create the solid foundation that you desire. So head to the show notes and click the link to book a power hour session with me. There's definitely never been a better time to become the designer of your financial future. For this episode, I have invited certified women's health coach and hypnotherapist Pamela Windle. I have known Pamela for a couple of years now and recently signed up to one of her programs. Today, Pamela and I will be discussing why she has chosen to support and empower women to reach optimal health, both inside and out, and why she believes that your health can impact your wealth. Welcome, Pamela, to the Wealth Conversation podcast. Thank you, Titsi. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you are on the podcast for this episode. Could you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, so I love this question when people say that, because then and I'm thinking, how do I introduce myself? Do I <laughs> the, the real me or the other version of me? Um, so I think I'm going to start with the real me. I'm Pamela and I am a, a mother of a daughter who's 30, which just when I say that out loud, it makes me think, how did that happen? Um, and I, my parents have both passed away. I've got the six of us, six children. So there's three children from my mum and my dad. And then there was another three from my mum. They live in Jamaica and I don't really know them that well. But we've got closer since mum's passed away, which is really nice. And I've got nephews and nieces. And I'm a grand auntie, which is amazing. Yeah, I, I'm just really happy and blessed and life is good. I've had health challenges, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a bit. But yeah, that's that's the real me. And, and the other you? <laughs> <laughs> the other me is someone that is passionate around women's health and wants to change the landscape of women's health for the next generation, women of today, but also for the next generation. And as this title of this podcast is, your health is your wealth. And that's so important. And your hormones is part of your health. And so I work with women on a one-to-one basis who are transitioning through that perimenopausal phase into the menopause and beyond using you know functional tests 
diagnostic tests, functional nutrition, lifestyle, medicine, hypnosis, NLP, a whole host of things that I help women to achieve their you know, optimal health, really. That's what we're looking for. And I also work with organizations to help them retain their talent within the workplace. And I kind of work holistically and also internationally as well. Oh, that's amazing, Pamela. How has your experience with health issues influenced the work that you do today? Yeah, greatly. Um, So I've always been in the health and fitness industry, you know, from my goodness, Nicole, she's 30, like I said. So she was probably about three when I was teaching classes. I used to teach aerobic classes and she used to sit in the class, you know, on the floor with a coloring book and a dolls while I was teaching step or aerobics or something like that. So a long time. Um, And then I became a personal trainer and worked for a large company within the UK personal training and until I got to my mid-30s and I just thought I really need to change what I'm doing now I didn't see myself as a personal trainer in my 50s and 60s and 70s I was like you know there's just no room for a personal trainer that that age but actually there really is but at the time I didn't think there was and um my sister said, you know, I think you should go to university. And it was something that I always wanted to do, but felt like as if I wasn't good enough. I knew that I could learn, but I didn't know it because I'd been told that I was stupid and I was thick, dunce, you know, there was no hope for me. I'd always worked in a factory before that. And I kind of stumbled into the fitness industry because I was really strong and I could run like 100 metres in under 11 seconds so being in the fitness industry kind of felt natural to me um and so I went to university at 40 years old and I did a degree in psychology and sports science and funny enough I got a first in statistics and you know I got ungraded in maths when I was 16 years old so <laughs> it says a lot about the school so my health deteriorated when I then worked with dependent drinkers in the NHS so this is four years on this is about 2010 that I got the job in the NHS and it was 2012 when I became unwell and I just remember waking up one day with a flu virus you know I've had the flu before not very pleasant but I knew it was flu I was literally drenched from head to toe I remember stumbling downstairs to make myself hot lem sip and getting back into bed and as I got into bed the cup slipped out my hand and it was just that hot lem sip all over the bed and I just didn't have the energy to remake the bed and I just thought I'm just going to sleep on one side of the bed I was so exhausted and you know when you have the flu you think you're going to get better you expect to get better and it was probably about five days later and I thought I need to go food shop because I was going to go back to work after the weekend and when I was out shopping I just felt really ill I actually felt worse in so many ways than I did prior to that and I didn't go back to work in fact I didn't go back to work for three months at this point because I just felt ill and I'd lost my voice and I had no energy just didn't feel good at all 
So I ended up being off work for three months. And then eventually I went back to work part time because I just not used all my, my holidays. So I was able to use my holidays so I didn't have to go back full time. And cut a very long story short, that continued for the whole of 2013. I would be okay for a few months and then a week could just come along and I'd lose my voice, I'd no energy. And that just continued until 2014 when I'd been off work for six months consecutively and I was just ill. I couldn't function. I couldn't cook. I couldn't clean. I couldn't make my bed every day. I couldn't shower and wash every day, brush my teeth. I couldn't sit upright. I had complete brain fog. Yeah, it was horrendous. And my GP at the time kept saying, you know, I think you've got ME, chronic fatigue syndrome. And I was like, nah, I've got that. Of course I haven't. <laughs> you know, it's for weak people. I'm not weak. And I did refuse to be labelled with it. And I remember a GP saying to me, you know, why don't you just take some antidepressants? It's and I said, mm, no, I don't want any. And she said, well, it's going to make you feel better. And I stopped and I thought, I'm going to ask myself, am I depressed? And I, I asked myself and there was this no, loud and clear, no, you're not depressed. And she didn't have to say anything, but her mannerisms were almost like, well, please yourself kind of thing you know, you're not going to take this antidepressant, well then, suffer kind of thing. And I didn't take antidepressants, but, you know, I wasn't depressed. I was sad, definitely, because I'd lost a lot, lost a lot of time, finances. You know, as a result of that, I lost my job. I sold my house, you know, equity of my house disappeared over several years. Yeah, it was it was depressing, but I wasn't depressed. And there were times when I remember once actually, like literally Googling how to commit suicide in a way that's not painful. And I remember rummaging through the cupboards trying to find some paracetamols to take, you know, and just not that I wanted to end my life at all, but it was just ending the pain of not finding a solution to why I was so ill. Wow, Pamela, that's a, that's a very, very deep story. And thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of people will understand a lot about what you do from, from your story and why it's so important to you. So what ended up being the, the solution to the way you were feeling? Yeah, so five very long years of being literally housebound and not knowing what was going on and the GP saying you know that all your blood works look fine you know there's nothing wrong with you just go to a monastery was one of the advices go to a monastery really <laughs> yeah that was one of GP that said that I was like oh. okay so you think I'm stressed but anyway it wasn't until I trained in as a woman's health coach and the reason I trained in it was because I, I just couldn't understand why I wasn't getting better as a personal trainer I had some knowledge around nutrition but you know I was eating quite well 
but there was something more that I didn't understand that was going on. And so this course came into my inbox. I'd met Dr. Jessica Drummond anyway. I'd met her in the UK and I signed up, signed up for a course. And it was, it was very expensive. And I didn't tell anyone because at this point I was literally I was down to my, my last 10 grand. And if I'd told someone, they would have talked me out of doing it, I'm sure. Because like, why are you spending this money on a course when you literally don't have money coming in, money's going out rather than coming in? But uh, I just followed my intuition and didn't tell anyone and signed up for it. And so when the email came through, like, Bing, yeah, congratulations, you've registered for this course. And the first day of the course is the 5th of May, 2016. That was my dad's anniversary of his death. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this is a sign. It's got to be a sign that I'm meant to do this course. So started the course in 2016 in May. And Dr. Jessica Drummond said, you know, I'm going to offer you a 30 minute consultation for all of the students if you need my help. And I became her client. So I, you know, signed up for the course and also became her client. And it was in that I feel very privileged to be her client as well as being a participant in the course, because I actually received it in a different way, not just from a student, but also from a patient point of view as well and so we did some tests we did the Dutch test which is a hormonal test um, we did some stool testing we did a mineral deficiency test as well and they all came back with some issues I needed to work on but nothing that really explained how and where I was and so we'd worked together for about four months and then Jessica said look I think we need to look at your bloods and see what's going on with your blood. Maybe there's some sort of virus that's causing this. So we looked at my, we did my blood works and we started off with Epstein-Barr virus, which is, we call it mono in America and we call it glandular fever here. So it's the same family of viruses. And that was it. Bingo. My antibodies were raised so my body was acting as if I'd still got a virus even though the actual virus wasn't alive but it was active in my body and it was fat that was causing the fatigue so we tweaked my nutrition and supplements to suppress the virus because viruses like that you can't get rid of them they just lie dormant in the body and so anything can trigger it off, you know, it could be a hormonal shift, so pregnancy or perimenopause or some major stressor in the life or even another virus can trigger it, re-trigger it. And so my antibodies were really high and it was that that was causing the fatigue. And so when we tweaked my diet, my targeted supplements, my energy levels started to rise incrementally. It didn't happen overnight. It was just slowly. It was like, oh, I surprised myself. I haven't got post-active fatigue, you know, or post-exercise fatigue. Oh, I remember the first time we drove over to Bristol and I drove all the way there 
I slept for about a day when I got there, but I did it. Whereas prior to that, you know, literally my car didn't move at all for years. Um, I remember driving down to London for the first time and slept, you know, like a day as well. But I did it and then drove back. And then slowly and slowly over the years, I've just got stronger and fitter. And my energy, there's, there isn't anything now that I can't do. I exercise now. I can do hot yoga. I walk all the time. Whereas before when I was really ill, I would set a, a timer on my phone. I'd walk 10 minutes one way and I'd walk 10 minutes back the other way just to avoid getting into that energy deficit. So that's literally my healing journey. And I know that all of this stuff that I did to get better can help women in any phase of the life, but particularly in the perimenopause phase. Oh, I'm just, I'm just amazed at the journey and that it took taking an alternative route to, to finding the answer. And, and so glad you found the answer. What, what a relief that must have been. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And I still pinch myself today sometimes. (laughs) I can imagine. Now, you and I both take a a holistic approach to the work that we do. And one thing we agree on is that health and wealth are very much intertwined. Why do you believe that it is important to focus on health when building wealth? Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me this question let's say 2009, 2010, 12, I would not have put the connection together because I was healthy. I was a personal trainer. I was fit, you know, ran half marathons, taught body pump, spin class, everything, you know, I was fit and I thought that was health. So that's interesting. I actually thought that was health. And Never do you think in your early, mid-40s that you're going to come down with some debilitating, weird illness that nobody understands and all your blood markers from the GP saying that everything's fine. You know, never do you think that you're going to lose your house, your job. There's always, you know, I've always worked. I've had two jobs at times um, when needed to, you know, needed the extra income. And so never did I put those two things together. But all of those things, I now realize that jobs, health, wealth is fragile. Nothing is set in stone. We all think that we're going to progress through life a certain way. And anything can happen. And if the last two years taught us anything can happen, we know now that anything can happen. Um, and so for me, I learned that back in. 2012-13 your health and your wealth are interconnected yeah so so true and I love the the fact that you've brought up the pandemic that we've all gone through because as you were talking about your journey I thought to myself was was that like the first version of COVID <laughs> no one had picked up because some of the symptoms just sound so similar to what people were going through during the COVID. But at least the thing with this one, the pandemic was, it was identified as something and, you know, the health professionals worked on it. Whereas for you, your initial investigations were coming up with nothing. Yeah, the, the symptoms are very similar to long COVID actually. 
And actually mm. long COVID is post-viral fatigue, which is what I had. So yes, it does cross over. And even from what I'm reading about long COVID, a lot of people aren't believed, employers aren't believing them that they're actually ill because from the outside, you look fine. Well, that takes me to my next question. How do you support your clients to improve their overall wealth? And how has this impacted their wealth creation journey? It's a really interesting question. So most of the time, most clients come to see me when they've exhausted everything else. You know, they've gone to the GPs, maybe tried, you know, some supplements or herbs that they've read off the internet or got off an Instagram or something like that. And so they're at the point where they just want to hand over that healing journey for to somebody else to help them and I remember a young woman actually talking about wealth she came to see me she was 27 so actually one of my youngest clients and also struggling with extreme fatigue and she just had a baby I think it was about 18 months at the time and she couldn't work and you know, she was really struggling and she was a vegetarian and their GP said to her, oh, you know, all you have to do is eat meat. That's what you need. This is why you're tired. It's because you're not eating meat. And of course, you've got a new baby, you know, and this is what's going on for you. But as I do with my clients, I always do an in-depth um, initial questionnaire and then, you know, consultation, find out a little bit more about you and your history and what childhood illnesses you had, how your mother was when she was carrying you and so what I learned was that she actually had glandular fever so obviously I had been there myself so we ran the test and her antibodies were high and within three months of working together her mum sent me an email saying I'm so thank you because we've got our daughter back she's reading now she can read and and retain information and within six months she was back at work so I help my clients to either return back to work or be productive in the workplace so that you can think clearly, you can lift the brain fog, particularly for women in perimenopause, feel confident again in the workplace, be able to articulate yourself in a way that you used to. You know, this, regarding the perimenopause and menopause, is this there's this kind of story that I see quite a lot is that if you struggle with brain fog, then there's nothing you can do about it other than taking hormone replacement. And I'm not anti-hormone replacement at all, but it isn't as simple as that. I think that's just reducing everything down to the state of your ovaries and the production of estrogen and progesterone. And it's much more complex than that. So I help women to stay in work, have the energy to work, feel good about themselves, whether it's working for somebody else or for themselves. Yeah, I love that. Pamela, you've mentioned uh, perimenopause and menopause, and I just thought it's probably worth breaking down what those are for listeners who might not really know exactly what the difference is. Yeah, sure. So the perimenopause is the build-up to the menopause and the word the menopause really isn't a phase in a woman's life it's used for women say you know I'm struggling with these symptoms 
So it isn't an actual phase of a woman's life. So we, before we get to perimenopause, we have puberty, which ends age 19. Then we have something called premenopause. So from 19 up until around about your early 40s, and then we become perimenopausal. And in perimenopause, we start to see the changes in hormones. First, progesterone starts to withdraw first. It can happen earlier, so it can happen in your mid-30s. But generally, for most women, mid-40s, progesterone starts to decline, and then we see more estrogen, and that imbalances causes a whole host of symptoms in women, such as painful breasts, heavy bleeding, sort of weight gain, anxiety, problems with sleep. So that the early signs that there's a little shift in the hormones, maybe some energy problems around the period. So you can still have a regular menstrual cycle in the perimenopausal years until you get the closer, the closer you get to the menopause, then the cycle can become longer. So 40 weeks, you know, even longer, you know, a hundred and odd months even until eventually you go 12 consecutive months without a period. If you are above the age of 45, if you're before 45, then it's two years. But there are other ways to enter menopause, such as, you know, surgical menopause, so hysterectomies or you know, treatment from cancers can bring women into the menopause. And so the menopause is the end of fertility. And that is it. The menopause is one day. And then after the menopause, we move into postmenopause. And we reside in postmenopause for the remaining of our lives. And in that phase of life, postmenopause, we are different because the hormones are different. They're not your estrogen isn't as robust and powerful. And so with that, there are challenges that go as long as with that. Thank you for that. I think a lot of people will find that explanation very useful. And I didn't realize that menopause is actually just one day. It's one day and you don't know when that day is. But you, wow. The guidelines is that one day after 12 months, if you're above 45, that's it. So myself, I'm like 185 days since I last bleed. So I'm figuring it's not going to be long. But, yet, you know, for some women can go 11 months without a bleed and then have another bleed and have to go and wait for another 12 months to say I've actually reached the menopause because the word menopause is just talked talked about so much and used yeah. so much and it's it's not the menopause they they're talking about they're talking about the symptoms associated with either that transition or in the postmenopause phase wow okay okay I get it right so how do you help your clients navigate through perimenopause in into menopause yeah I mean it really depends really with what she's struggling with we're all unique and we all have our unique journey in that transition and I always say you know there's there's chinks in the china the china isn't perfect by the time you get to your 40s and 50s you know we've had the losses we've had the relationship breakdowns maybe we've got emptiness syndrome or maybe we're having children later so there's the our bodies just aren't 
optimal as if we were in our 30s, for example. And so all of those things, medication, um, the pill, antibiotics, all have an impact on our bodies. And so then layering on top of that is the disturbance of hormones in the ovaries, because during the perimenopause, the hormones are fluctuating and that in itself is stressful. So there isn't one way our help women. There are things that I do, such as, you know, we look at nutrition, but it might be different for you to somebody else. You want to optimize your absorption of nutrients and that you're digesting foods well and eliminating it well. You know, and we support the liver because the liver is a really big um, organ that helps with hormone balance as well as your gut health as well. And then, you know, we want to stabilize your blood sugar levels and we can do that through exercise, through nutrition, good quality sleep, targeted supplements. There's some amazing supplements out there that if you don't know about, you won't know about that can help with um, that transition as well. And diagnostic testing, which is the test that I did myself, you know, the hormonal test, which is the Dutch test, stool testing, um, mineral deficiency testing, you know, even monitoring the blood sugar is a really great way to balance hormones as well. And, you know, also supporting the nervous system. So, you know, like we've all been through stuff, if you're still struggling at this phase and, you know, you've got emotional traumas that you've not dealt with, now is the time is to really get close to those and get some help with it. And I do that through some psychotherapy tools that I have or hypnosis. And my personal training skills come in a little bit when I'm talking about posture and movement. So it's kind of a really whole person approach to supporting women in this phase. I love that, that holistic approach. It just, uh, I think it's definitely the way we should be looking at things. And slowly, I've, I've also started looking at my physical well-being in, in that way. It's not just about the exercise it's what I'm putting in and I've learned so much from you working with you things that I didn't know about and as you mentioned the supplements and things like that like I had no idea that um, certain things were out there that could be so helpful and 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 change the way you know energy levels etc yeah Pamela what are the three things that anyone listening to this episode can do right away to improve their overall health Sleep, <laughs> sleep, <Yes. laughs> good quality sleep is so important. It really, really is. And to enable that you have good quality sleep, you know, the really simple things that we can do, such as, you know, having a bedtime routine. When my little daughter, when she was little, should I say, you know, we had the three Bs and it was bath, bottle and bed. <laughs> So we had a bath and then we had a bottle and it was bed and in bed we had a book as well. So four Bs actually. Um, so it's about having a bedtime routine that's like that and that's really nourishing. You know, if you're sat watching TV till 11 o'clock and you go into bed and expect to fall asleep straight away, Okay, some of you might, but the closer you get to menopause and beyond, this might not work for you anymore. 
you know, you're exposing your eyes to that blue light from your device and that tells your body that it's time to wake up. It's telling your brain it's time to wake up. So having a bedtime routine is really important. Exposing your eyes to daylight is really important, particularly in the morning. So if you can, as we're heading into the lighter, longer days right now, you can sit outside in the morning, just stand on the doorstep, whatever, put your head through the window, but just exposing your eyes to natural daylight early as much as possible will help with that sleep hormone. So sleep is really important. I think I've given three, two things there, haven't I, that you can do? Yeah. Sleep, <laughs> expose your eyes to daylight as early as possible in the day. Yeah. Blue light exposure at night. Oh, Yeah. Brilliant. Thank, thank you for that. I think, yeah, those are, those are things that don't cost anything. It's just about being, being disciplined and determined. I, I do struggle in the evenings to get away from the TV early enough so I can have good quality sleep, but it's work in progress. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you know, I believe that to create true wealth, we must all be clear on what wealth means to us in each area of our life. And I call these the wealth cornerstones. So in a few words, please, could you share with us what wealth means to you in the following areas of your life, physical, mental, spiritual, social, and financial well-being? Mm, physical wealth. I think physical wealth for me is health, because obviously I lost my physical health, which means I lost my wealth as a result of that. I guess mental wealth is about partly trusting your intuition you know if I didn't trust my intuition I wouldn't be here today on this podcast saying I healed my body so you know trusting your intuition and I think that as women we sometimes stop trusting our intuition so I think that's really important spiritual wealth and this is this is really interesting when I, when I saw this question I was thinking hmm what what do I think to this and you know spirituality is something that I take seriously and also acknowledge that it's there it's present and so for me it's more about my ancestors you know and about their dream like my parents came here to the land of milk and honey that was promised, you know, and they worked really hard and didn't have the milk and honey that they wanted, that they dreamed of. And so for me, it's continuing, taking up the baton for them. So that is my thoughts about spiritual wealth. You know, they're not here anymore, but they live through me. Social wealth and financial well-being, they're the last two. And I think the social wealth is about, one, it's about generational wealth for the future of my child and her children. It's, it's about that. But then it's probably a bit wider than that. It's about having the wealth within my community, which is really important to me. So from a business point of view, you know, I'm, I'm always seeking to employ people that look like me just because I feel that you know, just putting that money back into our ecosystem. It's really important. Um, and financial well-being. Well, I think that you can't 
have financial well-being without all of those things that I've just talked about and also multiple streams of income you you know just can't have one can't just have a job which is what I had I just had a job and well look what happened to me you know job went down so did everything else so we need multiple streams of income to be financially wealthy and healthy Love that. I absolutely love that and couldn't agree more, uh, Pamela. It has been absolutely amazing to have you on the podcast. You have shared so many uh, wonderful insights and things that I think I'll speak for myself that I didn't know and, and didn't realize about my own health. So thank you so much for that. If any of the listeners wanted to get hold of you, how can they get in touch with you? You can, you can drop me an email. <laughs> My email is info at smarterchanged.co.uk. And my website is smarterchanged.co.uk, obviously www. And social media, you can find me on Instagram, which is Pamela Window Hormone Coach. And Facebook, Pamela Window Vitality and Health. And LinkedIn, I'm Pamela Ann Wendell. You can find me there. Fantastic. I'll put links to all of those sites and your email address in the show notes so people can contact you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Pamela, for coming on to the Wealth Conversation podcast. And I am I am absolutely glad that you found an answer to your your health issues all those years ago and that you're now using your experience to help other women become healthier so that they can build wealth, whatever that means to them. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Connect with me at The Wealth Conversation on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the discussion. Also, if you enjoy tuning into this podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Until next week, stay focused on becoming the designer of your financial future.